0: All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast, or if you're watching this on YouTube, welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports. This is the 160th episode of the podcast, the 50th installment in the Seattle interview series. So nice little, I guess, uh, stepping stone there. I am with Nick Pereira here, former well, yes, I guess now former pro soccer player, if I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if you still get that time. Uh, but, you know, captain of U.S. Beach Soccer National Team, executive, executive director at Washington Youth Soccer, and now, you know, here with the rain as the general manager. Uh, you know, how have things been? I know that we're still in Challenge Cup in a way and we've got regular season coming up. How has this been for you? Has it been something that you've been sort of, you know, working to get a hold of you know as a GM, or is it something that you've been able to take in stride?
1: First off, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I, I listen. I think that the most important thing for me to come in was to come in through the door with a sense of understanding and learning. Uh, so um, when I spoke first, spoke to the players and first spoke to to obviously Laura and and upper management. Um, I was going to be in data collection mode, kind of from the beginning, just to make sure that I understand where we are. The planning for the season had already happened, so I came in, um, you know, halfway through preseason. So I think it would be really obtuse of me to jump in and start changing um, without knowing the inner workings of what's happening. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I'm in data, or I was in data collection mode. The truth is that um, there's a lot of work that has to go into an organization, keeping a, a top-level organization like this going. Um, but everyone that's been here has been really helpful and really um, made
0: my transition really, really seamless. So with that being said, I want to jump back to sort of the earlier years of your career as a whole. Where would you pinpoint that soccer journey for you really beginning? Was it something that you went out to try just to, you know, get that energy as a kid out? Was that, you know, maybe a family member? How did the journey for you really begin uh, in the sport?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm born and I was born in Spain. Uh, my dad's from Spain. My mom's from the US. And uh, we we grew up, I grew up in Belgium. Um, and my dad was a soccer player, not on any professional level, but he just played all the time. And so that was our kind of our first way of going outside and knocking the ball around together. Um, and then truthfully, I don't really recall doing a lot of other activities that I ever enjoyed quite as much as playing soccer. So it was something where I would try something for a a couple of weeks, see if I liked it. I didn't, or it's not that I didn't, it just wasn't the same feel. So um, no, I've been playing ever since I'm the kind of person that if someone says it's a pickup game outside, I'm going, you know, it's, uh, I want to be at the fields. I want to watch the athletes play. I want to play if I can. So it's all about it. Um, All about the sport. And and I'm, I'm watching it all day. I'm talking about it all day. So um, it really kind of has been one of the constants since I was a kid.
0: And so, you know, with that being said, I know that uh, I want to talk to you about it in regards to your current position, but I would say that your fluency, and you can correct me if it's not too fluid with some of them, but your fluency in, in six languages really helped you throughout your career, because you, I know you touched on Belgium, uh, but just, you know, obviously you talked about it, you know, this football is just the world's game, truly. So just how would you say that may have played any influence, really, in, in your career, as you've you know taken the different steps of your life,
1: no, I think it would. I think it's pivotal. To be honest with you, I think that it's um, it's something that I'm extremely proud of, but it's also something I'm really fortunate because uh, it was a cer- it was more of a set of circumstances that made it happen, as opposed to I don't know me just being really smart. It was you know I, I grew up in Belgium. My mom spoke English, my sp- and my dad spoke Spanish, so I've had two two languages from birth. Belgium has two other languages, right, French and Dutch. So I grew up learning those because we lived in one part of the country that spoke dutch but i went to school in the other part that spoke french so i was very fortunate by the circumstances that were laid before me um and they've obviously facilitated in um steps uh along the way for me and, and been and been hugely important in areas that i've gone when i went to play in spain professionally that was a, obviously easy for me I've, I've traveled in italy i've been in in, in brazil in places where i could use some of my language skills and um and look now i i you know i'm i'm working for an organization that's got Roots in two continents um, with with separate ownership. Right. And, and um, being able to communicate in French, obviously, is, is a plus and being able to communicate in English is obviously a plus. So, um, no, it's, it's it's been very, very valuable for me. It's something
0: that I carry with me every day. And so, you know, you, you touched on your playing career, obviously, and now I want to shift to that. Uh, before we get to the pro level, I mean, what memories do you take, uh, from 2006 and that whole season? I mean, I I don't know if this is too much of a memory lane kind of thing for you, but obviously, you know, in a team game, so much goes into winning a title, let alone a national title. Right. So, I mean, I guess, what do you take from 2006 and how may have uh, that, how may, how did that potentially jettison you to, you know, through your uh, professional career? I
1: think that 2006 in particular was a was a special moment for me because when I was in Europe, I was uh, I had no idea what college soccer was. Very few people in Europe at the time did. I think now it's more of a conversation because some athletes especially are looking at if I don't crack into the first team early, I'll go to the U.S. and try it with an education things. And so it's a step that's not impossible now. But at the time, it was I had no idea what it was. So I actually got cut my first year. I tried to walk on. In 2004, the, uh, UC Santa Barbara made it to the national championship game and lost in penalties um, to Indiana. Um, so I had just gotten cut. Uh, I had no idea what was going on. And um, then I was a walk-on and, and then obviously we won a championship. And uh, it was quite an amazing experience for me having come from a culture where you either go to university or you go play professionally and, and there's no way to marry the two. So I was really fortunate and really happy to be there, and I think that that team in particular shows, or has taught me along the way that, um, in American sports, it's it's not it's not how you start; it's how you finish. So it's really important um, that, especially with the way that they did in college soccer, and it's very similar in a lot of the playoffs. Uh, everything you've done up until then really kind of wipes the slate clean. We were an unseeded team, and we won the national championship. So um, it's just it, it's an interesting process and a very different process to the way I grew up. But it's something that I think adds a lot of excitement. So 2006 is uh, yeah, it, it's a special there's a special place in
0: my heart there for sure. And so you you touched on it. Uh, I'm I'm interested in your thoughts. I know that, you know, here in the states, you know, drafts, you know, obviously, uh, if we look at it in this regard, the NFL draft is coming up here soon. Right. I mean, obviously, NWSL draft a little bit ago. I know that's something that is pretty uh, is mostly home here in the U S with the idea of a draft. I mean, what are your, I guess, thoughts on that as obviously a player and now someone who's been in executive roles, just the thoughts of a draft. I know that some people, you know, in not only the NWSL fan base, but outside of that have kind of said, Hey, why are we doing this? You know, but I'm sure it's more of an Americanized thing. Do you have thoughts on that or, Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a
1: couple of things. I think number one is that we're seeing now in the MLS, they're getting closer to the European FIFA model with with, uh, player rights for for younger players, with the homegrown deals. Uh, My opinion is that as a professional club, uh, we have an academy that we're very proud of. Um, And I think that the way that we can really help influence and develop this sport um, is through promotion of youth um, early on and getting our our curriculum and and getting our our game model out to the kids early so they can start understanding the way OL Reign plays um, and creating that transformative process from the earliest ages all the way through to the first team. But unfortunately, with the rules as they are, um, that is not something we can control. We could have the best player in the country play for the OL Reign, and that player could go to any number of colleges and then could be drafted by any number of teams. So I think that's a limiting factor right now, and that's something that I, I hope and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming and I hope that they will look at in years to come. Um, but honestly, I, I think the fanfare of the draft is, is something that's very American, as you said, but, but uh, it's very exciting. I mean, I think that there's players that uh, I don't necessarily love the format um, where the, the last place team gets the top pick. You know, I don't like the way that that works um, just because I think that we see it in basketball quite often where teams are halfway through the season Mm-hmm. And they start to realize that they're they're probably not making the playoffs. So what better way to just stack their team next year and get the number one pick? Um so I, I don't think it plays out in soccer quite in the same way, but um, it's something that I think is uh, you know one of the downsides of of that format. But um, I think our club in particular and 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 lots of clubs have had incredible stories and incredible business operations uh, based off of drafts. Um, high drafts, low drafts. Uh, so, um it's just an interesting process, which I think is part of the rules. And um, every game has its rules and its peculiarities. So it's important we take advantage of them the best we can.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you talk about sort of the local aspect of it, obviously not necessarily you know with the rain but obviously uh with Olo in this past draft and you know being as as a Husky I'm a biased guy right so to see that was really cool but no it is interesting to think about it like you said with the MLS and the way that they're sort of I guess you could say evolving with that but you know just seeing that conversation being had I was interested to see your thoughts on it uh and your side of it obviously but to get back to the playing career aspect of it um, what do you, what do you take most, I guess, from your playing career now, you know, with the executive sort of positions that you've had. And I want to get to Tacoma here in a second, because I'm really intrigued about the player coach aspect of that. But before I get to that, right. I mean, playing in different areas, uh, obviously talked about the U S uh, team and with beach soccer. What what do you carry over most from that, whether it be, you know, accolades or, you know, being able to visit these different places? I know for some people that go over and play in different countries, it's being able to experience the different cultures, right? What do you, would you say that you take most from your playing career? And I guess some of the most fun comparisons you've seen between the different leagues that you've been in.
1: I think they're representing the U.S. national team for beach and, and, and very, Minimally for futsal as well. Um, the biggest thing for me was one: the travel is incredible, and so the access to different cultures and the, the eye-opening um, experiences that you can have traveling the world is is really second to none. Um, I think that what it has instilled in me, or one area that I'm particularly passionate about, is using um, is sort of multi-dimension, multi-dimensional, um, technical training and development for players. So I think that there was a, you know, um, soccer training always goes in kind of trends and there's, there's trends where everyone's in love with futsal and everyone thinks futsal is like the route, the road, the route, the way. Um, My opinion is it's just, it's challenging yourself on every surface you possibly can every space, every size, every different dimension of the field. Um, So for me, I think that playing beach soccer, which is the smallest, in terms of the size and the most demanding in terms of the technical demand of the sport, um, I think it was really amazing for me because it allowed me to grow my game, um, my overall game. And at the same time, uh, truthfully, it's pretty fun to be out in the sand. And and it's really hard to complain about, you know, going to Tahiti to play a World Cup and sitting out, you know, in French Polynesia. I mean, it's just, it's, it's pretty incredible. So, Um, there's really not much I can complain about on that regard, except for the fact that it's a whole nother issue, but, um, you know, uh, the amount of events we go to or or have gone to is not as elite and is not as, it's not as plentiful as, as the the men's full team or some other teams like that. Um, but, um, it's been an incredible experience. And I think that when, when I'm asked, um, I was a director of coaching at a club two, three years ago, um. What's the best way for my kid to get better? How do they improve? My thing is just play soccer, play indoor, play outdoor, play futsal, play beach, play soccer. The more soccer you're playing and the more different rules that there are to the games and the more things you've got to adapt to, the better. You're not going to get worse from playing indoor. You're not going to get worse from playing futsal or beach. You're only going to get better. And it's going to sharpen different areas of your game. So that's what I always enjoyed was that there was a constant mental challenge of it and a technical challenge too. Um, I think that there's the, the reason that some athletes burn out early with one sport is if you never try any modalities, then there's there's a chance that you could kind of feel like you've run into a lot of scenarios and there's nothing different about it. So uh, for me, that was always the most exciting part was that there was a different challenge every day, a different type of game, different way to control the ball, different way to lift the ball and beat soccer It's in the air and the football, with the sole of your foot. There's just so many different things that to me uh, really kept me on my toes and I, I've always loved.
0: I like that you touched on indoor because I remember as someone who played a lot of, I guess, I don't know if you'd call it traditional soccer, right? Trying to adapt to that, figure out what I could do differently on the indoor game. And that, that brought back some good memories. So that was, that was fun. And I do like that you touched on that. Cause like you said, you, you burn out on one thing if you're doing it again and again and again, and you're not looking at it. So I, I do like that you touched on that. So um, I do want to touch on Tacoma now, you know, when reading about it, you know, playing there, but also the, Coaching it, how did you juggle that? I'm really interested to see that because, again, if I did my research correctly, it said uh, you were playing obviously with the stars, but then also uh, in a coaching role during that same time. What was that like for you? Was there any sort of, I mean, jokes between teammates? It's like, hey, you're my teammate, but also my coach. You know how did how did that whole uh, whole experience work out for you?
1: I'd say that's probably the most challenging role I've had um, up in, uh, to date. Um, obviously the new role I'm in now I'm I'm getting acclimated to the demands Um, but in terms of my playing career that was probably the most challenging in terms of managing that aspect the one that you referenced which is that there's two different people in the room there's one person that makes human error and that's playing on the field with you and that there's going to be a ton of mistakes especially because I I played in an offensive area so as an attacking player there's going to be more mistakes than there are as a usually as a defensive player because there's more the chances of you creating things is lower. The, the opponents are a bit more prone to limit space and time. So uh, there's that person that's in the room, then there's also the person in the room that's trying to put together a strategy or game model for you to win on the specific night. Who needs to be able to implement that style without conflict, right? I mean, that's the truth: is that any coach has to have their opinions on the mat on the game, um, and that's the beautiful thing about this sport: is that everybody's got their own opinions about endless numbers of scenarios and each scenario could have a different answer for a different coach. Um, but that coach has to know that at the end of the day, their vision is the one that matters because they're the ones calling the shots. And so there's a, there was a difficulty there. But I will say that my, my teammates at the time were very, very um, understanding of the difficulty and were accommodating of it because uh, it could have gone far worse. I'll say it like that. It could have been far worse.
0: And so before I want to switch over to the current position, what are some of the more important lessons that you, you know, took from that playing career before it was finally time, I guess, to, you know, take the boots and, you know, fully tie them up really, I guess, because again, like you said, you're the kind of guy that if you're going to, if you hear a pickup games outside, you're going out there, which I would, I would love to be able to do that, you know. Um, but I guess what are the, some of the more important things that you may have taken over, you know, to your newer roles and sort of like, a, I guess, the executive aspect of it? Um,
1: well, first off, uh, I'm not sure that the boots are all the way hung up because indoor soccer starts up in November, December and goes to February, March. So the timelines for NWSL aren't terrible. So that's still up in the debate, um, up for debate and haven't really made a kick on indoors over now. NWSL is fully in uh, and and NWSL was always priority number one, even when indoor was playing now. So um, there's no concerns there, but I'm not sure that that's, that chapter is completely closed. But I would say that the biggest area that I that, that I was able to understand, which very few players can can usually see, is that there's a difference between what's best for the club, what's best for the player, what's best for the organization, right? There's always a differentiating factor in there. And I think that as players, very often you think what's best for me, what's best for the team, and that's what we should do at all times. And that's what makes sense. Um, having one foot in each side on each side of the fence, as it were, uh, was really in- interesting for me because I was on one side, you know, wanted the team to win and win every single game and do my best at every possible juncture. And on the other side, I was also aware of the limitations and the scope of what I could and couldn't do. And so I think that's really interesting or really important for, um, For organizations to understand that sometimes there's a conflict and you've got to decide what wakes you up in the morning and you've got to decide what your end goal looks like. And so being able to be in the position where I had to make that decision as an organization and at the same time trying to benefit the players and do that as a player, I think that was really interesting and eye-opening for me. And the final thing I would say is that communication, how important communication is at that level, Um, at every level, to be honest with you. So I think that whenever you... Whenever you're clear in your thoughts and your messaging um, and starts out with a vision of what you want it to look like and you're able to transmit that appropriately, that's one of the things I think Laura is so fantastic at. It's, it's very clear what what she's after, or what the staff is after. Um, I think it's really clear as a player to buy in and how you buy in because there's no mixed messages, there's no indirect signals, there's no... There's no like, I'm not sure in this scenario. No, no, it's pretty cut and dry. We know exactly how we want to play. We know why we want to play. You know where you stand, you know what you're going to do. I think that's key. So um, I had to learn that in the trenches and now I get to watch one of the best in the business do it daily.
0: It is cool, you know, as someone who, at least for me, communication and everything, whether it's, you know, obviously getting an interview like this set up or, you know, working to get the shows that we do all, you know, properly together, any of that stuff, how big communication is, it really is cool to hear that, you know, just like in anything else on your level, that's something that's still, you know, a precedent that has to be set. Um, So now getting over to our reign, uh, how did that all fall into the place? How did you know the new title for you really come into play was that something that you applied for was that something you reached out to how much of that you can you share you know um how did your current role you know fall all the pieces fall together
1: well i think that um it started out i when i was the ceo or executive director of washington youth soccer we were trying to forge a relationship with the rain because we knew that two things we knew one what a fantastic organization the rain was the ol rain was um and we also knew on a separate side that we wanted to impact and, and and help the development of women's soccer girls soccer youth soccer in the state of washington and what better way to partner through uh what way to better way to promote the game than to help complete the pyramid um at the top end of the, of the pro game so we had a, a kind of an um initial relationship there that we were working on. And um, I know that Washington Youth Soccer had to push it back, but I'm fairly certain that, that at the end of the year, they will have a 50th anniversary for the celebration of women's soccer in the state of Washington. Uh, Washington was one of the earliest states to adopt women's girls soccer and women's soccer and youth soccer. Um, and this is the 50th year. It's also the 50th year of Title IX. So it's some pretty impressive years for, for, for women's, uh, the women's game. Um, So we were trying to work on some things with them and and, um, the opportunity came to just have a discussion about it. Um, And then I was, uh, it it all happened very quickly. Um, I jumped at the opportunity of even being considered for it. I thought, what an amazing opportunity to be with this organization Um, and obviously doing research um, on the staff, on the players, on the, on everything about everything. Um, i just felt like it was an opportunity i'd be i'd be absolutely foolish to turn down so um i jumped at it i went through uh, had interviews several times um speak to key stakeholders and it was all uh like i said i i i loved it i mean i was so excited to even just be in, involved in the process and i thought it was um a wonderful opportunity for me and my family and and also an opportunity for For someone who has lived multiple cultures, the American culture and the European culture to kind of tie together what was an organization that was born out of, uh, I would, you know, an American owner and then taken over by a European owner. So I thought that I was in a position as well to bring something somewhat unique to the table and that I've lived in both, um, understand both, and and, and I'm able to, hopefully, and I'm able to um, marry them well.
0: And so I I think you touched on it just a quick bit there, but, you know, with the group that was coming off of securing, uh, you know, the second spot last year in NWSL, obviously not the result anybody wanted in the semifinal last year uh, of the playoffs, but still a group relatively that didn't lose, I guess, a ton of people, obviously losing uh, Ushini, uh, uh, Marrow, you know, tough to lose players of that caliber, but still a group, you know, you look at, I mean, I can't really just, say anybody because i mean that's a whole group of talent but you know you come into that role and you talked about being in sort of a data collections mode what is your initial what was your initial impression of this roster because like i said i mean just from looking at it and just again gaining information around the league it seems like there's a lot of people that see this group as a favorite and a contender obviously the whole regular season has to be played before we get to any of that um but with that being said obviously like i said a talented group so what how did you view the roster first when you, I guess, you know, got the desk set up, got in the chair and started looking at things?
1: I think this is a fantastic roster in terms of its its depth. And I think that that was demonstrated early on in the game against San Diego at home when all of our international players were gone. And and we played a group that probably weren't expecting to get a full 90 that, like that and had as fantastic of a game as we did. Um, I think that I would be lying if I told you that I had sufficient data on all those players prior to my arrival. Um, so it's taken me still some time to watch training and try to gain more knowledge. And Laura's been very, very helpful on that in terms of understanding who's, you know, the who's who, not just in our group, but around the league. Um, I've obviously followed the women's game for years. So I, I, I know what's around the league, but in terms of watching them day in, day out, their tendencies, um, and then get, gathering a, a sort of psychological understanding of where they are as humans and what they're after, um, has taken some time and, and will continue to take time. But I think that I really dislike the idea that there's a favorite already because I think what this, what this league has shown us um, in the little time that, that I've been in it is that every team on the night is, it could be, I mean, there, there are no easy games in the NWSL. It's just, that's not a thing. Um, and whenever you try to predict score lines or think that things are a certain way, you're wrong. So, I think that um it's very easy and appealing for someone to look at our group and say, "Yeah, they you know they went undefeated for six games. Well, it's easy. they'll they're gonna win the whole thing. I, I think that 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 kind of talk is is dangerous, and I think that the reality is that the reason this group is successful and has been successful is because they take day, daily grind. They're at it every single day at training. Um, you know, Laura, Sam, Rocky, the staff, is, is Josh, are making sure that every day of training is, is a good day of training, that they're leaving with growth every day. So I think that's the key. If, if we maintain that mindset as to where how can we get better every day, I think then really good things are in store for us and for any organization that lives that way. Um, so I think that we've got a roster of, of really fantastic players. We've got a really excellent technical staff, um, and I'm really excited to see where we can go with it.
0: And I I do like that you touch on that because I've never really been a guy that picks a contender or picks a score line for, it just doesn't make sense to me because across all the sports that we cover on the show, whether it's, you know, the seven pro teams in this city, right. You, in all those leagues you've seen, whether it's upsets or, you know, favorites going down, it just doesn't make sense for me to really put a number on any of that. So I don't like doing that. Um, but you talk about, you know, obviously the, the day by day, and this is a group that, you know, I mean, retained a lot of players and I mean, there's still, I mean, if you look at the match injury reports over the last few weeks, there's still a ton of talent that can be added to this. So like you said, it's a, it's a long, long grind. And um, yeah, I, I just, I never like that approach. I don't really like looking at the whole contender aspect of it. Um, I
1: think, I think that we've got a group of players that, um, are hungry and they want to prove something and they want to be out there daily and they want to win soccer games and they want to be around each other I feel like from the outside and I'm not on the inside of it but from the outside uh, relative outside right I'm not on the inside of the locker room but uh, I think we've got a really united core group of players that everyone is on the world bought in I think they enjoy each other I think they like coming to training they want to be around our technical staff and I think that we're getting better and better and adding things to our game uh, every, every match. It's fantastic to see the fact that we've got so many different scores, I think is really important that, that we know that we can contribute from all areas of the field. Um, so I, we're, I'm really proud of the group so far. And, and um, I think that this is just the very, very beginning and we've got a lot of growth to have. Um, and there'll be some ups and there'll be some downs, and that's the way the sports business goes. And when things are high, it's important not to get too high, and when things are low, it's important not to get too low. So I think that's the, that's the rallying cry behind that. But at the end of the day, I think we've got a group of players that want to think that they can do something um, this year and think that this could be a year where they could really push the envelope. And I think that that we're trying as a, as a staff to give them every opportunity available
0: to us to do that. You, I had a uh, follow up to that, and you already answered it, so there you go, magic. Um, now I want to get to kind of what I touched on before we, ha- I've even got to the rain. Uh, I mean, you talk about. the the sort of the ownership group of it, obviously with, you know, OL and, you know, the American roots of this club, but uh, in terms of the roster, I know you, you talked about sort of uh, analyzing the group and seeing how they work on the human being aspect of it has, you know, that again, that language fluency helped you in communication with any of the players. Have you been able to use that yet? Or do you think that's something that, you know, obviously, I mean, we look at the group, you know, obviously players like Angelina, um, I mean, I could go on, but is that something that, and even potentially, I, I don't want to question you on it, because I'm sure that might not be something you can follow, uh, you can uh, speak on, but I know that last year with this group, you know, the announcements of Eugenie, marrow uh, Booty, didn't come until late, well, would have been late April, or even May. So, is that something that you know in the future you think that that language fluency can really help you you know communicate with players on the on the roster going forward is that something that you might, might not be used as much as compared to uh the staff and more so yeah, other uh, parts of the club
1: i think that um I mean, I've, I've chatted with Jimena in Spanish and chatted with Angelina in Portuguese, but I don't think that that relationship would have in any way altered had we just spoken English, because I think both of them speak fantastic English and there's no issue there. I don't speak any Hungarian, so Johnny's but Johnny speaks great, great English. Um, so uh, I think that the key there is that the signings that came over from OL last year, I think were strategic in that that was intended to forge a relationship, a stronger relationship with the club and have some in an interchange, um, and I, I would assume that if we did undertake that route moving forward, that it would be helpful for um, for any French-based players that were to come over, should that option um, occur, to have somebody who can speak them in their native tongue. Although our CEO Vincent also Vassal also speaks French, so we and uh, Kilian, our director of ops, is also speaks French. So we have enough people around the club. Um, that, that can help out in that regard. And, and um, one of the things that I actually uh, received a very kind, or I didn't, but we did as an organization received a very, very kind note from one of the players was uh, that was here last year was complimenting the strength of the locker room and that our locker room in particular at LL rain was the healthiest, happiest locker room that they had ever played with. Um, and one that allowed players to really be themselves and they didn't feel like they had to put on anything to 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 blend into the locker room so i think that's a huge compliment um to the staff as well as to the to the leadership groups in in our locker room as to what's important and um and why they're there so
0: and uh you know to touch back on that just you know looking at the roster you know to have those originals like Jess like Lou like Pino, you know, as well as you know mix in some of the the younger players, obviously, you mentioned uh, Kajon, uh, but also I mean, Bethany's been in the league not too long, but not you know brand new. It is interesting to see sort of that makeup, and that is something that I've heard you know, you talked about getting that note from a player that was on the roster last year, talking to a few players that are no longer uh, on the roster last year as well hearing how they felt that same sort of thing and even players who have been off the roster for a year or two you know uh, talked with ad jordan uh, a few weeks ago uh, now playing over in germany you know just hearing that's something that continues to pop up and it's i mean it's good to hear um and so kind of on a-
1: i think it's one of the i think it's the secret sauce right i think that's the key to to what we do here i think that that the locker room inside um is well managed very well managed obviously from a coaching standpoint and from a staff standpoint but also from a leadership standpoint um, within that locker room and I think that it's a locker room that people want to be a part of Um, so I think that's 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 a huge huge component as for for us as to who we recruit how we recruit um and how we move forward with those recruits so I think it's a it's a really important often overlooked aspect of of
0: uh, soccer clubs Yeah, and I think you talked about that. You know, chemistry as a whole, I think, is not all the time, but sometimes looked at in not a regard it should be looked at because uh, I always kind of say you can always put as many talented players on a roster as you want, but if they can't play together, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you, if we went down the list of teams that didn't work out, you know, you could see that, you know. So I think, like you said, with that secret sauce aspect of it, I mean, if it's a locker room that's healthy, that, you know, works together, that's tight knit, that works well, it's going to work. It doesn't matter how much talent is or isn't on the roster. So I like that, you know, you, you mentioned that and sort of to wrap up here, you know, I know you got to get out of here in a bit, uh, I guess on a lighthearted note, what does a game day look like for you? What, what sort of things are you rolling through? I know that, uh, Well, I'm interested to hear what a game day looks like for you, what that whole situation looks like uh, on a standard match day, say at at Lumen Field now. Uh,
1: Well, I think the game day for me is very different than, than what it would be like um, probably even in six months um, when I've got more, my hands in, in more things, just because, like I said, um, I'm still trying to understand how everything works perfectly before I push too hard on things. But uh, for us, the, usually the game days are pre- um, preparing the rosters, making sure that everything is good, having a chat with the staff, and seeing what the direction of the match is going to be. Um, organizing things at Lumen because we're still, we've only had a few games there, and we're still kind of figuring out the kinks of how to set things up, where things go, um, and then obviously uh, during the match, sitting and screaming and yelling in the in the suite, trying to living every kick of the ball. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I'm, I'm at the field somewhat early. A lot of our staff are there very early to set up. Um, but, um, my interactions with the athletes are limited. Um, I, I'm not there to coach. I'm not there to be, uh, involved in any of the locker room stuff. That's not my job. Um, so just being there in, in the capacity, which obviously when, when we're there, there's, there's stakeholders or sponsors or people at the stadium that we've got to meet and talk to as well. I was lucky enough to go down and chat with one of the legends of the game a few games ago. So that was fun too. So there's, there's a lot of kind of during game day where I'm usually rushing around the stadium, making sure I don't miss uh, anything uh, from the game and trying to uh, be
0: involved as much as I can to make sure that on the business side, we're, we're, we're still doing what we need to do. Well, you know, with that being said, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. You know, it's, as I've mentioned to you before this, this club has had, a lot of ties to me. So I'm really, you know, it's always great to talk to anybody that's involved with the organization. Um, Just in wrapping up, I know that, uh, you know, we're looking forward towards regular season now at this current point in time. Uh, Obviously the honor kits are really excited to look at and excited to get my hands on some of those in a bit. Uh, But is there anything that you necessarily want to put out there, want to promote? Obviously we want to get as many people at Lumen as we can throughout the season as it comes here. And, you know, some of those day games where the sun hits the field will be really, I mean, the other day, I think it was against Angel City. That was, that was beautiful, I mean, to have that sort of sun. But is there anything that you want to put out there before we head out?
1: No, I think that, um, you know, like I said, I've, I haven't been here long, but, I've, but the, the fan base we have, I think, is fantastic. The amount of information that the fan base actually have and the amount of it that's actually close to being true is pretty incredible. Um, so I, I think that the, for, uh, for the players, um, for the staff, and for our organization in general – uh, we need to see everybody at the fields. We want to um we want to set records this year in terms of our attendance. I think it's super important. The the athletes live off of it um, and the relationship with them and, and their ability to to go and win matches is directly impacted by that. Um and I think that it's something that if you haven't been to Lumen to see the, the OL Rain play a game, it's really something special. I was lucky enough to go to the doubleheader last year as just an average fan, and it was unbelievable. Um and as you say, the the, the timelines. So, uh, what I'd like to say is on uh, the weekend of May seventh or eighth, and hopefully it's a game on the seventh. Um, we'd love to see everybody there at ten a.m. Uh, we've got some work to do before we get there, but um, I think that if we if we uh, if we're able to host that final at home, we're able to be in that contention. I think having a a really strong showing would be would be spectacular for the players and something that would really push everybody over the line. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to meet people. I mean, to be honest with you, I've just been trying to meet as many people involved with the league, with the organization as possible. And um, people who haven't been to watch the O.L. Rain play, I think that when they do go, that they're rarely going to leave thinking they didn't catch a show. I mean, it's, it's, the, those games are exciting. I mean, if you, if you happen to walk out of the stadium before our last home game, before the whistle blew, you, you would have missed the show. So uh, you've got to stay to, the, stay to the last minute or last second of the game um and yeah I think that this these are some incredible athletes that that work so hard um, at their craft and I think that once the fans and once people and sponsors and all those see just how hard they work and see
0: what the level of play is I think people are blown away I mean you talked about that that last match I mean even before that with uh, i believe it was san diego that time the what was it three goals in 11 minutes so it's it's fun to get the both sides of it and the two different uh matches back to back so no like you said whether it was last season down at cheney scoring five goals in the first half against houston or later on i think it was against gotham where uh the the rain roared right back uh Pino scored a penalty to put the rain over the edge. There's so many different ways that things can go. So like you said, I mean, it's just something you have to be in person for. There's no other way to describe I, it. I'm from
1: Europe, so I'm used to showing up 45 minutes for a game early because I want to watch warmups. You know, I want to see what the warmups look like. I want to see who the lineup is. I want to hear the announcements. I want to see who's in, who's out. And and I'm staying 30 minutes after the game to see if I can catch a glimpse of people. So I, my, you know, when I used to go to the stadium as a kid, I was there. It was a five-hour adventure. Right. You're there early. You're staying there. And and in Europe, you know, no one gets up for peanuts and popcorn during the game. You wait till halftime, then you sprint to the bathroom as fast as you can and you try and grab a snack and you get back to your seat as fast as you can. So um, that's the way I understand the sport. Uh, You don't want to miss a second of anything that you can catch a glimpse of. So um, that's my background. My dad always uh, laughs when, you know, when we first moved here, he went to an NFL game and he said that nobody actually watched the game. (laughs) I don't think this single person actually watched the game. Everyone was getting up for a beer and going over here for something else. So, um, you know, we're uh, if you haven't met our CEO, if you haven't met Santi, um, our associate GM, we're kicking every ball. So, um, you know, game day is like we're watching the game as if we're on the field with them. Um, And there's an unbelievable passion in our staff uh, to win. One, because they support this organization and they love it so much. And two, because of the emotional effect on the players, they want those players to do well. We, they care so much about the players, the well-being of the players. So I think we have a really special staff in that regard and people who are really there for the right reason, who care about the team so much. So I'm really proud to be part of it. And um, I'm looking forward to meeting everybody at the at the game to come support the this incredible team.
0: You know, well, with you talking about all that, it just makes me even more excited for whether it's May 7th or May 8th, whatever, you know, may come to this club. So, uh, appreciate your time. Obviously, I got to get chatty here, but excited to, you know, hopefully see you throughout the season and, you know, again, see where the, the journey of this club goes. So, thank you for your time and I'm excited for the rest of the year. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. <music>